Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and three things up for review this week. First up is Fast X, the latest film in the Fast and the Furious franchise. Then there's Book Club, the next chapter, and finally the sixth season of Selling Sunset. First up is Fast X, which is the latest film in the Fast and the Furious franchise, and the short version of this review is, if you were already a Fast and the Furious fan, you're going to have a great time at this movie. If you are not, the 10th movie is not where you're going to start at, so you know whether or not you're going to see this in theaters this weekend. That's the short version of this review. The long version is, so I am someone who came to the Fast and the Furious franchise in the beginning. I watched the first two in theaters. I remember being like, okay, whatever, these are fine taking a very long break and I think it was either seven or eight that I came back for and I was like what is happening here because at some point along the way we went from stealing DVD TV combo players off the back of trucks to you know fighting submarines and militaries and going into space and all of this stuff and the more campy and absurd they get the more I enjoy them. I unabashedly love these movies. They make no sense whatsoever. The logic is flawed. The, the time compression makes no sense. They get from like one location to another in what feels like less than is physically possible to like get, you know, you're like, oh, we're going from London to Rio. And I'm like, how did they get here as fast as you were? Like what? Wait, who? You're not going to a Fast and the Furious for logic. You're going to the Fast and Furious for vroom vroom and family. So does it deliver? It sure does. The whole gang is back. We've got Vin Diesel back as Dom Toretto, Michelle Rodriguez, Tyrese Ludacris, Nathalie Emanuel, Georgiana Brewster, John Cena, Sung Kong. And then we've got uh, some of our more recent characters, you know, Scott Eastwood is back, whatever. Uh, Dame Helen Mirren and Charlize Theron are in this again. Like, we, the number of Oscar winners who've just popped into these makes me so happy. You've also got Brie Larson, Rita Moreno, Alan Richson, and Jason Momoa joining and let me tell you, Jason Momoa is having the time of his damn life in this movie. I hope this is not too much of a spoiler, but if you've seen the trailers, Jason Momoa is our bad guy. And he is, you know, I thought Charlie's Theron as Cypher was not necessarily topable in terms of uh, bad guys. But then they brought in Jason Momoa, who is this semi-flamboyant, campy psychopath who it just like it feels like he had so much fun filming it. And even though he feels so ridiculously out of place, especially compared to a character like Vin Diesel's Dom Toretto, you know, it's just like the contrast between them. They feel like they should be in two different movies. They kind of are in two different movies, but I'm happy to watch either of them. Uh, I rewatched all of them going into nine. I did not do this for 10. In fact, I was going to try and watch nine before 10 and I started it and I was like, I don't know what happened here. I don't remember. I don't think I care. I don't care, even though I love nine as well. But yeah, uh, you do and you don't need to remember what's going on. This film does this thing that I don't think other ones in the franchise have done where it's sort of, I mean, they have done this, but this is the most extensive version of sort of retconning the plot together. Uh, and so they give us some of the key elements of why Jason Momoa is here and the course of the Fast Family's shenanigans and the way they do it. It was a fair amount into the movie, but it made me laugh very hard. So anyway, the plot makes no sense in the slightest. The characters are so absurd at this point and like semi-invincible, it feels like. You know, they've even commented on that in a meta way before, which I love. I think my biggest challenge with this one is that even though it's the 10th one and, you know, we're nearing the finale or so they say and all this stuff, it didn't have as memorable a set piece as some of the other ones were, right? Like nine, you're, you go, oh, nine's the one where they went to space. Or, um, you know, there's the one with the submarine or there's one with the bank heist, which I think the Rio heist is truly the, you know, the set piece that set the standard for these things. But 
This one, it does have, I'm not going to say what they are, but it does have moments that I feel like they were trying to make the thing that you refer to it as, but it doesn't succeed in the end. And so that is one of the the weaker moments of it. But I think where it sort of compensates for that is the memorability of the Jason Momoa character, right? Where you're just like, what is happening here? Also, I love that. So John Cena is back at this one, like I said, and there, there's so many different movies happening, right? There's Jason Momoa's like psychopath villain having a great time movie. There's Vin Diesel's super serious spy movie. You know, there's, there's like the buddy fight love triangle question mark between Tyrese Ludacris and Nathalie Emmanuel. And then one of the subplots, and I'm sorry, I hope this is not too much. It's like a John Cena paired with a kid thing. And they're just totally in a different movie. And I just, I love it so much. And then also the Brie Larson stuff. She does not feel like she belongs. I, I'm sorry, Brie Larson, also an Academy Award winner. What am I talking about? The pedigree of this movie is out of control. But Brie Larson feels too, like, wholesome and clean to be in this movie. And that's not to say any of the other actors are not necessarily wholesome and clean and whatever it is. But there's something about the, I don't know, cheerfulness of her character in this that does not fit. Once again, paired against Vin Diesel in particular, who is Mary McGrumpy pants. (laughs) And I'm just like, what are we doing here? But... I cannot fault these at all because I'm just, I have a good time. You have to, you completely have to have zero expectations going into it. You have to understand that it is camp. You have to understand that like, it's not going to make sense. You were just here to watch ridiculous moments happen. And they, I think are a little, a slightly bit too aware of the ridiculous at this point. The other thing I will say, in addition to lacking sort of a, what felt like, you know, a a dramatically set piece or whatever it is, is I felt uh, the CG a lot more in this one. I know previous ones obviously use it, but the stunts, and that's not to say like the giant magnet stunt or whatever it is, it's not obviously CG, but it didn't feel as grounded to me in this one. And that is one of my uh, slightly larger complaints about it, but I I came out of it saying no notes, you know, and I will stand by that. And I, I just, I cannot wait for the next one, but if you are a fast fan, have so much fun. I please enjoy yourself. It's about family. If you are not, I encourage you to pick up the franchise at this point, having gone on this many decade long journey now and having, again, having come to the newer iteration of it later, I had so much fun. And so it's worth going back because, uh, you know, seeing where it builds to in a way that they clearly were not intending to from the start, that has been the most delightful part of this. But yeah, honestly, Fast X, 4.3 out of 5 for me. I'm going to take a quick break and be right back. And I'm back. The next film I have is called Book Club, The Next Chapter, and talk about night and day from the other film. Although, in some senses, they are these sort of uh, Avengersing of, you know, mega stars coming together. Rita Moreno feels like she makes more sense in this one. Actually, Dame Helen Mirren, too, would have made more sense in this one. But I love that they're in the other one. Anyway, Book Club, The Next Chapter. It is the sequel to the film Book Club, which... I watched on a plane and it was fine. And, you know, it's cute. In that one, they read Fifty Shades of Grey and they like go through awakenings, but it's also about their friendships. This one has nothing to do with books at all. I think they say The Alchemist a few times because I think at some point somebody on set went, oh, we have to tie it back to books so we can keep using the franchise title. And someone's like, "Uh, but anyway, you've got Diane Keaton, you've got Jane Fonda, you've got Candace Bergen, and you've got Mary Steenburgen back. And they go on an Italian adventure and get into zany mishaps. They are all in various relationships or courtships or whatever. You've got, so you've got Andy Garcia, Don Johnson, Craig T. Nelson, Giancarlo Giannini, as well as Hugh Quarshire. So again, very contrasting in terms of the other one, but also all-star cast. I 
had a decent time at this. I thought, I love Jane Fonda, uh, but Candace Bergen, for me, carried this film in terms of comedy. If they had thrown a Lily Tomlin in, I think I would have been even happier. Like, I would have replaced Lily Tomlin, or replaced Diane Keaton with Lily Tomlin. That's not to say Diane Keaton is a bad actress, uh, you know, but just her character is a little womp womp. We talked about this on a roundtable episode where I don't necessarily believe she would have gone on this trip with these friends, but... Either way, this is in line with an 80 for Brady, an original book club, uh, uh, you know, any of these films. I like that these women are getting these opportunities. Uh, I don't love that the stories still semi-revolve around relationships and men, etc. You know, I would like one of these to pass the Bechdel test a little bit more strongly. I mean, it does, but either way, you know. It's fine. I wouldn't run out to the theater to see it. Much unlike Fast X, which like should be seen on a big screen. When this comes out on home entertainment and video on demand and stuff like that, you have yourself a nice glass of wine and enjoy it. But, you know, if you go to the theater and you enjoyed it, more power to you. But it's it feels like a uh, watch at home, enjoyable, you know, lazy Sunday type film. But I, I, yeah, I still got some laughs out of it. Again, shout out to Candace Bergen. I'm going to give it 2.8 out of 5. The last thing I have is Selling Sunset Season 6 and... Let me tell you, I've already watched the entire season, and I don't know if I could tell you a single thing that happened. That's not true. I can't actually tell you things that happened, but it got, it blurred together pretty aggressively, and I am sad to say that I'm, I feel like I'm missing Christine. Fans, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a little weird not having Christine there. I think one of the other challenging things this season is a lot of the plotline revolves around newcomer Brie Tiesi, and she, uh, had a child with Nick Cannon, and so... You know, it's always weird when the drama, it, they are asking a lot of the questions that I think we as the public ask about some of Nick Cannon's relationships and, you know, his various partners and stuff like that. None of my business, but also public figures. So I want it to be my business. But it's also a little rough when like there's a baby involved and you're just like, oh, you know, these are people at the end of the day. Um, so it, it does add, I think it doesn't compensate for the lack of Christine this season, but it does give you something like grounded in the real world that exists outside of Selling Sunset to anchor to. But overall, you know, it's Selling Sunset. You're going to blaze through it. You're going to have a decent time. But that is out streaming now on Netflix. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.